Hello, and welcome to the podcast about Transformers comics, toys, and everything in between. I'm Onyx Prime with my two co-hosts here. Hi, I'm CompuChum. Hi, and I'm Kilobyte. For today's episode, we'll, we've actually found ourselves inside of Swerve's bar. So if any listeners out there are tuning in, you may hear some bots in the background or might, might be picking up. With that, our comic discussion for this episode takes us to IDW Autocracy. Both Computron and myself have read the series already, but this is Kilobyte's first time and we are excited to hear his thoughts about the series. But before we dive into that, let's look into some facts. Computron, take it away. Alrighty, so the IDW Autocracy series was first released January 18th, 2012, and the last issue was released June 20th of the same year. The writers of the series are Chris Medson and Flint Dill, and the artist is Livio Ramandelli. A kilobyte, do you mind giving us a short summary? So, Transformers Autocracy shows you the days just before the Great War between the Autobots and Decepticons. This comic series is set after Megatron's origins, and it presents as the Decepticons as an established force in Cybertron, primarily through terrorist actions against the Autobot Senate. And the series also follows a young Orion Pax, an Autobot commander charged with locating the leader of the Decepticons and putting an end to these attacks. This information was taken from the wiki. Fantastic. Computron, Chris Metzen. Can you elaborate some more on that? I feel like I've heard that before. Oh, you bet. So Chris Metzen, for those of you who are big fans of World of Warcraft, uh, Diablo, or StarCraft, he is the main writer and creator of those series. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I've, I've played I played World of Warcraft and Diablo and everything. The, the storylines are very cool, so I want to see where his take on the Transformers story goes. I come from a opposite point of view. I read these comics before playing those games. I know. When I started playing those games, I was like, wait, this looks familiar. Or like some storylines of like like the hero like flip-flopping around and it's like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, now that now that you think about it, like We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit into this, but the, the the transformation you see of like Optimus, right, or before he even becomes Optimus, Ryan Pax, that actually had, I believe, to me, it felt like it was almost the same as watching Thrall from Warcraft, because he almost goes through the same way, except for, you know, Thrall, you know, he, he was in that game, like, an orc coming to a different planet, but in this case... I felt like I had the same character development from Optimus Prime as well as uh, Thrall. That could be intentional, but, you know, I, I could really distinctly draw the connections between the two. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, especially with what's happening right now in World of Warcraft. <laughs> so we won't give too much of the plot away from the comics, just in case the uh, listeners out there still want to read it, which we encourage you to go out there and read it and then come back here. Uh, get started. So one of my favorite scenes in this series is in like I think it's in either the first or second issue is the part where Zeta Prime catches Starscream slipping up in a Senate hearing. 
and Starscream's first reaction or first instinct is to rat out Soundwave in the room as a distraction. What would you guys think of that? Sounds like a Starscream thing. <laughs> right. It's so Starscream. Like, oh, no, I'm about to be caught. I'm going to move the blame somewhere else as a distraction. <laughs> yeah, I found it very hilarious. <laughs> I, I do like the, the, the mode for Soundwave. The little cassette mode. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah, the uh, the stereo, the weird stereo looking thing. Yeah. I like yeah. how he, we'll, we'll go into it, but I like how he, you know, used the cassettes to help him out with that. But uh, my talking point is how I felt about those cassettes. But uh, um, I'm surprised Soundwave, like, throughout the comic or in, in the series, he, he didn't necessarily want to get revenge on Starscream. So I was like, are you, are you gonna, you gonna slap him or something? Wait, hello? Right. I, I think it's because he believes more in the Decepticon cause than he does care about Starscream. That's true. Yeah. Right. I feel like that, that was like a blimp for him that didn't really matter. Didn't even register. He's like, it's fine. I can get out of right. here. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's he's like I'm I'm used to this kind of thing. Right. Um, which brings us to, I think, uh, we're gonna jump around here. I'm gonna stick with Soundwave for a little bit. When he starts running away, and Zeta puts uh, Orion Pax in charge of chasing Soundwave, that seems to be making a cowardly retreat. Operation, interjection, correction, not cowardly retreat. It was a tactical action that fooled the Autobots into pursuit. Yeah, that, that, that chase scene was very cool, especially towards the end. The, when the brawl happens, I, I, I was very scared, <laughs> especially with how the art looks. <laughs> oh, the art is beautiful in these these comics. Like it's so it, it's dark. It's super. Dark. It's like, I like it's scary. I like the like, water coloring dark. feel it has to it. Right, make the uh, yeah the neon lights stick out more. Yeah, my only issue is because I was reading it on like a, a comic book reader. It was super pixelated on some of the. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's, that's very bad. <laughs> like, I had to, like, stare at it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm looking at Zeta. Zeta's face. Hold on, let me let me analyze this. And then there were just some scenes where... Um, there were just some scenes where I was just like, oh, this this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. Um, so about Sunway's escape. A couple things I want to bring up about that. And it wasn't necessarily the whole chase, right? To me, it was more of, uh, well, one, it's the first time we actually get to see uh, Rap Bat as a cassette. Oh, that's right. Which, you know, like, I remember saying earlier last time we had this, uh, I was like, oh, so that was Rap Bat turning into a cassette. That's what it was going on. And then uh, in this series, we're like, well, here's cassette Rap Bat. Um, <laughs> one thing that I guess kind of didn't sit with me well is um, is uh, Soundwave so Soundwave ejects Ravage Ravage kind of helps 
Soundwave get a, a diversion enough for him to escape. But um, when, when Ravage kind of gets down for the count, Soundwave doesn't return to Ravage, which, you know, uh, Onyx, you and I, we read this all the way through before. And so we know the special relationship that Soundwave has with his cassettes. To me, I don't know if it, like, the whole memo was passed around when these comics were being written, like, hey, Soundwave has a very special relationship with his cassettes. Um, well, I, I think that's, it's slightly different, because this is, like, the beginning of the war, right? So they haven't had or time to establish a lot of time with the cassettes. Like, right now, they're kind of just, like, I want to say, like, uh, like first connections, if you mean, and then after four million years, I know which part you're talking about. After four million years, that connection probably strengthened. Like I'm just taking a guess. Four million years, it's a long time. You probably develop a bond over that time. That's true because the next time we see, spoilers, if you guys want to stick around, uh, next time we see uh, Soundwave and Ravage kind of separated, it it hurts. It hurts you hot. It does hurt. It does hurt. So, <laughs> without diving too much. But you, but, sorry, but, what do you mean by separated? Kind of like in, in different, uh, kind of like what happened here or in the, or like him ejecting I'm sorry. Ravage. Uh, it, it'll be him ejecting Ravage. But that, it'll be him ejecting Ravage, but um, uh, I'm not going to give you anything else other than, yeah, I'm keeping it in okay. No, no, because, uh, yeah, no, because where I'm at, where I'm at, the Ravage and Soundwave are also separated. But yeah, we're we're gonna, gonna keep it ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. let's let's talk about some of the designs. Uh, Kilobyte, you like some like a lot of the designs. You want to talk about that? Uh, I do. Uh, I do like how they they made uh, Set of Prime's design. I like his his face mask. Gives uh, kind of like a. Cybertronian knight feel to it, and and I I feel like this is kind of what inspired the Cybertronian knights from the Michael Bay movies because uh, they do have uh, some similarities to it with the, the shield and the swords and kind of like the armor to it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you you guys could see it or not, but uh, it was I think it was pretty cool, and I also like the Cybertronian modes they gave us at the beginning. Of the comic, with the with Orion Pax's uh, kind of squad, because the his truck looks very different than what a normal truck you would see, but it it, it kind of makes it look like it fits in that in that universe, and I feel like that's a very cool. I very I hundred cool percent agree. I know that there's a, a Zeta Prime toy in the Titans Return toy line, which kind of spoils a little bit later on in the series, but it's it's the only toy we have it's just a flat colors though i wish it had more colors because it's a wonderful wonderful character as in the design <laughs> not their personality yeah <laughs> now i gotta look this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not he's not a he's not a very good guy <laughs> but yeah i think i think so far the the signs that we've seen from the the, the previous comics and, and now starting here in autocracy uh, they're very well designed, and they do fit in the universe of the Transformers and the whole 
kind of being established in Cybertron at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you don't feel like that that truck doesn't feel Cybertronian. It feels you know they they just I also nail like it. the shape of uh, like you said earlier, sound waves, uh, boombox shape. Yeah. Can we shift gears and talk about probably maybe a little bit of a sensitive topic because Orion Pax is established as an Autobot cop essentially, and it this this comic series came out in 2012, but is more of a big deal now these days. Like there's a scene where Orion Pax is brutally beating Swindle in front of the public. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Like that, the, 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 like I know it might be hard to, but it seems interesting to me to watch this character that I'm, I'm assuming we all grew up and we love do something like this, but also see them grow as a character throughout the series. Yeah, yeah. No, that was my that was my first reaction when I saw that as he was. Uh, attacking swindle and he was like ready to pull the trigger and just take him out in front of all the civilians uh and and the best part of it is uh, swindle is just egging him on kind of like do it show them that you're a monster that that everything we say it's true and i'm like oh my god is this gonna happen (laughs) you're just like oh no oh no i think so i i i like the way that they design him but you know I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. So, like, you have Swindle that's egging him on, and, you know, Swindle, Swindle, we all have kind of an idea of Swindle's personality, even from the TV shows. Um, I'm not just standing up for him, but it's almost like Orion Pax, you know, before he becomes Optimus Prime, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. It's almost like he was shaped to be like this angry, angry person. Like you remember the fight scene he had with Ultra Magnus, and like Ultra Magnus was just egging him on, and then he kind of, you know, tosses Ultra Magnus around a bit. Oh, when they were sparring. Yeah, and like it at that moment, you kind of feel like everything he's doing is anger based because you have the chase with Soundwave that he. Even though being told that, hey, this is going to be a trap, he's just like, I don't care, you know, and he goes into it headstrong. And I'm obviously that's probably a trait he, he keeps throughout the, the series that he's a headstrong kind of person. Um, it's almost like when I guess I may be jumping around here when he actually gets the Matrix and becomes Optimus, you start questioning if this personality that he's acquired is really Orion Pax, or if it's Optimus, or or if it's the Matrix that is speaking through Orion Pax's like body. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, because like yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I feel like they talked yep. about that a little bit in my comments. Like, well, is this the wisdom of the Matrix, or is this uh, you changing as a character almost? Right? Yeah. I feel like Dias Atlas uh, talks a little bit about this, uh, either in this one or in Monstrosity. Which we'll talk yeah. about next, but it's such a strong swing out of the out of the gate, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a big yeah. character change, I guess. Yeah, right. Especially when they when they show how he how he copes in his downtime, and he's always just training and training and right. training and just fighting and fighting. He's just kind of like he, he. I feel like 
what he thinks is he's just made to enforce the law and just do whatever it takes and just fight. Right. Uh, which is kind of like rough to see him kind of think like that when we've always seen him be like, oh, we can do this uh, like peacefully right. with the protecting everybody else. You know, it's just it's like, It's definitely wow. an interesting <laughs> take. And I, I'm not against it. It's just, it's rough to see in 2021 eyes. You know what I mean? I think yeah. <laughs> it's refreshing, but would we, you know, us, I guess, in, in our current civilization, after watching what Optimus did to Swindle, would we forgive him? Right. Because, like, the next time these people see Optimus, he's, you know, this, he's this omniscient being versus a cop that just beat the crap out of Swindle. Speaking of character yeah. development, one that seems very true to their um, characteristics and throughout the series, like not in this comic, but later on, is Hot Rod. Uh, the first time we see him, he's an anarchist, which is a trait uh, which which stays true to him very much like Hot Rod. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's always a rebel. Like, he's always going to, you know, beat the man. In this case, it's, you know, cops like Orion Pax, uh, the Primes, like Zeta. And later on, it'll be like people like the Decepticons and whatnot, or his superiors. And it's interesting to witness this because he's left with a really big decision towards uh, the middle of the series of this of autocracy. So the, the bad guys create the super uh, energon sucking weapon. And to stop them from doing that, he blows up a city. Uh, I think it's Acroplex. Like it kills everybody. Uh, neon. Neon. Is it is it Nyon? N Y O N. Yeah. Okay. He, he pretty much kills everyone in the city just so the enemies can't get what they want, which is like such a heavy burden to carry around. But tell 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 me your thoughts. It was a hard choice, and we all know, or at least Onyx, you and I know that Hot Rod is pretty quick to deciding what to do. He's not uh, somebody that's going to ponder the ethics of something like Optimus will when you know he's pondering what's right or wrong. He had a choice, and he took that. He took what he thought was the correct choice. I want to kind of back up before we kind of talk about the city blowing up, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. So, when the Autobot squad comes in and they first meet Hot Rod. They're in this uh, chamber of what looks like the uh, Knights of Cybertron, right? And what's interesting to me is, is that later on, there's literally an entire series that's going to be about his fascination with the Knights of Cybertron. And so it's kind of cool, like right off the bat, you see Hot Rod and in this facility that's honoring the, the Knights of Cybertron. To me, I was like, oh, this is, this is something I didn't obviously missed the first time I was reading it. And then going through the second time, you're like, oh, cool. But throughout the series, you're going to see Hot Rod make the hard choices. And, you know, you, you respect him for it, even though he's an anarchist. But I think he had to do what he had to do. Yeah, and you see him having to make this kind of decision throughout the series multiple times. Different 
scenarios, right? Different decisions, but it's very similar, right? Not all of them being in Optimus's way, like the G1, myth, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and now that you bring now that you bring the G one movie into it, in the, in the sense that when, when we get Rodimus, right, he gets the the the, the Matrix of the Leadership. Uh, seeing this version of it and how it all began, now you kind of understand a little bit why it chose him uh, over at least in the movie. Right. It was Ultra Magnus who kind of thought he could be he, like he want he didn't want the, the to hold it, but he would hold it for the next leader. He just didn't feel prepared and. Like in the movie, you see Hot Rod just do uh, different kind of goofy little things, kind of not thinking, kind of like a rookie. Uh, but in, in, in this version, in the beginning, he kind of knows what has to be done kind of to protect his people, you know? And I feel like in the in the future, when he gets the leader, the Matrix, uh, there's it's this reason. It's because he, he knows what he needs to be done uh, for the good of all. Uh, he's willing to take the, the to make the Picking hard decisions. The, the movie we'll see lots of similarities in this comic run that mimic the movie or do their own version. But yeah, that's that's hot rod. It's great. Um, we'll yeah. move to the next point. <laughs> yeah, something that happens after this, right? It's uh, after Seda Prime is attacking the city with his new weapons, and Hot Rod has to do blow it up uh orion pax uh tries to defeat seda prime or stop him right for, for from doing this and he gets injured and almost taken offline and you see uh megatron arrive with the decepticons and they fight seda prime off and get to uh, regroup and you just see him take uh orion pax and just um heal him back right fix him up and get him just to show him that he was right about seda and everything that he's been telling Ryan is true that Seda was never thinking about Cybertron. I think just to kind of rub it in, which I think yeah. is pretty, pretty Megatron-like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, it, this might just be a personal thing, but I love when Megatron and Optimus have to team up against a common foe. I don't know if that's just an me thing, but it <laughs> gives me chills. It's like your two favorite characters finally getting together on screen to do something together. It, I don't know. Uh, what what what's your thought, guys' thoughts on that? No, I, I like the team-ups. I always like it when they when they have a common enemy and they link up together. And that fight was awesome uh, between all three of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good fight. It's drawn, executed. It, it was very it was good. Perfect. It ended very, very shortly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because it's like Right. Yeah. Finally, when Megatron and Optimus finally team up and do a joint attack, I want to say, I love that Megatron's the one that deals the the killing blow because Zeta takes like he tosses Orion Prax because he he essentially yeah, he trained him right. Off. Right. He essentially trained Orion Prax, knows his moves, tosses him like a tin can, and then Megatron comes up. Which is the wild card with the group, and he's the one that takes out Zeta by shoving his fusion cannon under his chin, and just blast. It's just beautiful art. It's it's gorgeous. I love it. It's poetry. You can tell he, Megatron had like more experience, right? Because he comes from the gladiator pit. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yep. He knows how to fight dirty. 
Yeah, and he and he. I'm I'm assuming he's used to bigger uh, bigger opponents because Seda Prime is way bigger uh, than Megatron. Uh, so he he knows uh, kind of like where the weaknesses are being such a such a massive bot. And then then again, this is come back to the first comic where Starscream says you swing a lot with your right. So here, have a cannon so you can compensate for that. <laughs> yeah. Fairness is something the other guy has to worry about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say the Spain thing. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. If I could have that panel as a, as a giant poster board, I would. <laughs> that scene right there. Perfect. Mwah. Super good. And then Megatron blows up Optimus. Or Orion. Yeah, right? We can all see that coming, right? We, we know Megatron. We can see that coming. But it's perfect. Like the way he does it, yeah. too, right? him as an example and tosses him off of a building where he falls and falls through layers of Cybertron, right? Is that what happens? Yeah, kind of to the core. Which, in itself, he finds the Matrix, right? Mm -hmm. And this is another thing that kind of parallels the original movie, is when he finds the Matrix, it repairs him and turns him into Optimus Prime in a similar fashion to that of Megatron's transformation into Galvatron during the, the Transformers the movie. And I thought that was like another clever way of be like, I see you. We see this movie. Here's another way we can do this without bringing Galvatron in yet. And I, I don't I, I thought uh, I thought it was great. I don't know how you guys feel. Tell me tell me uh tell me Kilobyte. I want to know your your thoughts, all of the thoughts. Yeah, you're the <laughs> new guy. <laughs> I like the I like the, the the whole scene, but I also like the seeing the, the transition throughout the that that run, because we we start from Orion being this uh, police officer that kind of has kind of anger issues, who's willing to kill Swindle in front of everybody, to finally receiving the Matrix and then kind of transforming and kind of like a rebirth. Uh, and kind of seeing that there's the way he was doing things was wrong. And now that there's a there's a new way we can end the conflict and everything. Uh, I, I just I love it all. <laughs> you can tell we're Transformers fans because we love it all. <laughs> Don't make them pick. Don't make them pick. <laughs> it's great. So good. Uh, another thing that I think we should touch upon is the scene where uh, it's it's a little bit later and i can we can jump around a little bit right it's is another scene that mimics the movie is when optimus confronts megatron towards the end hot rod is there again and does the same thing he does in the movie but instead of being held as a hostage he does the smart thing and transforms and gets out of uh, megatron's grasp allowing optimus to take the shot which I thought was like a little nod is like, yeah, that makes yeah, more versus, sense. Versus <laughs> getting in the way, right? Yeah. Get out of the way, hot yeah. rod. Right? Oh, um, since we're since we're jumping around. Absolutely. I wanted to talk about something that was incredibly funny to me, which was you know Omega Supreme, and his type is called a guardian. But throughout this entire comic him and like his type are labeled as destructors which 
It is absolutely hilarious to me because those are completely opposite words. They're complete antonyms. And so watching the Guardians destroy uh, Nyon was just like, oh, I see. There's a little bit of irony in this. It's hilarious. I know I'm not supposed to be <laughs> laughing at the city getting destroyed, but that's a funny label. <laughs> right? Yeah. I the cleverness, right? It's it's it's, yeah. it's there. Perfect. I also want to point out there's a scene, I think it's when Optimus and the Autobots are taking back the city, that they raise up the Autobot sigil flag, whatever you want to call it, in a similar fashion as Iwo Jima Memorial. Yeah. 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 Or it's like it's so it's like oh my god that's what they're doing like where have i seen this before that's right it was <laughs> interesting right because like the the flag that they were using like or not the flag but like the the way the guys were doing it in iwo jima uh you know the coast was like clear before they raised the flag and then in this case it's uh optimus is like no i'm gonna do this right here right now <laughs> right, there's blaster fire going in the background, and you're just like, oh, maybe yeah. we should wait. <laughs> He's a patriot of the Autobot cause. That scene was was beautiful because uh, he was rallying anybody that was willing to uh, take down and fight against the Decepticons now that they rose into power. So you just see all of these bots following the Autobot flag, which is and then Metroplex awesome. comes in and goes, nah, I got this. <laughs> You're right. Nah, <laughs> oh, Metroplex. That's, yeah, that was, that was great. I love it. What else should we talk about this? I feel like there's more. There's so much more. There's so many things. Is this... There's so many things. Computon, uh, Kilobyte, anything else you want to add? I think that's... I think that's all I have for now. It's just there's it's twelve issues. There's so much to <laughs> to unpack, yeah, you know. Yeah. I know we see the Dinobots and I don't remember if it's this comic or the next one that they're referred with Dinobots with the Y. Uh but I thought that was pretty cool. Um they don't explain it yet, but I know in the previous IDW runs they were called Dinobots because they're like some sort of demolition squad, which is why they have a Y for like dynamite, right? Oh, okay. uh, they don't really cool. explain it in this comic, I believe, either in the following ones they do. But they keep the same design as they had in the first IDW run before they got, I guess it wasn't called, it was called DreamWorks, actually, oh. before they became Dream. IDW. Yeah, DreamWorks exactly. Productions. Which made 30 issues and then was cut off wow. short. <laughs> it was great because towards the end, you're like, was Grimlock built to become on that cr- prime and then they never answer it <laughs> oh <laughs> and it's like oh, okay so i think we have one more fun fact computron you want to take it away yeah so towards the end of the comic uh we get kind of like a glimpse into this stockade uh in this holding place that kind of was essentially like zeta prime secret armory um and in there we kind of get a glimpse of like a bunch of stuff around and one of the things is like there's a sniper rifle there that's based on uh four stock of what four stock transforms into uh we get a peek at a uh Rutger, uh spiked shield and axe we get an alicorn staff uh like slap staff's like 
slash pickaxe. And um, one of uh, the movie Optimus Prime's uh, built-in like arm sword thing. And then we also get a sculpture of Unicron's head. But later, like towards the middle bottom, like bottom right-ish, there's something that looks like an Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> That's it's, right. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> and later on, I believe there's a tie-in comic with the Marvel cinem, like not cinematic, sorry, the Marvel comic book runs with Transformers, which is what I'm guessing was a nod oh, to. Oh, okay. Like, huh. uh, it's not really a part of this continuity. You can read it, and or not read it, and have the series still make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of the odder things. I never saw that the first time reading through, but when I read it again, I was just like, damn, yeah, it's it, right there. It's pixelated for me. And like, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see it because it's kind of like hand-shaped to look like a finger snapping. Yeah, yeah. And I know you said four stock. That is something we will get to later on. That is a character from more than meets the eye series. And then... So no spoiler. And then obviously Don't look a spoiler Don't for Retgar's spiked shield and axe. Right. But we right. haven't seen any either. <laughs> Calabite, overall thoughts? That's a good read. I do. I love I it. I love Chris Metzen. I love his work. This is a whole trilogy, and this is just the first of the trilogy. So. Uh, yeah, right. this is just the beginning. <laughs> this is part one of three parts. Uh, next episode, we'll do the monstrosity run, and then after that, we'll do primacy. How's that sound? Sounds super That's good. Uh, those yeah, are very good as well. I, I mean, I love Chris Metzen's stuff, yeah. so I'm like, yeah. Give me more. <laughs> Give me more. I can't tell. I can't tell. All right, if that's it for the comics, I would like to tell the readers, please go read this. Please go read the next couple series. Keep up with us. Tell us what your thoughts are. We do have an email account. It is called swervesbarpodcast at gmail.com. All one word. Send us questions, comments, correct us on anything we got wrong. We also have another podcast coming up. Uh, I believe it's called Transformers Rise of the World Killer. So please keep a lookout for that and tune in. I'm sure you'll like it. If you like D&D, if you like homebrew, if you like Transformers, tune in, have fun. Uh, back. Yeah, until all are one. Till Til all are one. one.